Well, we're speaking this month a little bit about the family. The Bible tells us that God created three institutions. Number one was the family. Number two was, was government. Number three was the local church. God put them together for us, and those are three institutions we know that he started. And he says that a father or mother, they're a minister. He says that, um, that the police officers, the governors, the presidents, the, the rulers, they're ministers of God. And then we find that not only that, but the local church is a place that we can grow. It's an institution that God gave to us. And it makes society better whenever we follow our, um, our God-ordained institutions and that they follow the Lord. Well, the first institution is that of a marriage. In the second chapter of our Bible in Genesis, the Bible tells us that after God made man on day number six, and he breathed into his, his uh, nostrils the breath of life, he became a living soul. God gave Adam three things right off the bat. Number one, he said, I want you to have a responsibility to dress and keep the garden. By the way, one of the key factors of a godly home is a man who is responsible. Irresponsible, irresponsible men are a great detriment to a home. We call them in our society deadbeat dads. Uh, we call them irresponsible or, or uh, husbands that do not, do not love. And God gave responsibilities. And, and the best way to have a Christian home is to start it with a responsible man. Number two, uh, he gave him a rule. He said, don't eat of this fruit tree. You can eat of all the other fruit trees, but he gave him a rule and said, don't eat of this one. By the way, there are rules in the family. There are things to do. There are things not to do. God gave rules. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. That's a rule. He tells um, husbands, rejoice with the wife of your youth. Rejoice with the lady that you're with. Love her. Stop looking around. Love her. Husbands, love your wife. Be not bitter against them. Tells wives, your rule is to reverence and respond respectfully to the man that is your husband. He tells us what to do in the home, and he gives us some rules. And he said, Adam, here's your responsibility. Here's your rule. And then he said, here's your relationship. First with God, and secondly, with this woman I'm going to make for you. And the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 18 of Genesis, that it was not good that Adam be by himself. God said, I'm going to make and help meet for him. And we find here the principles of marriage. He made marriage because, number one, a good marriage brings glory to God. Number two, a good marriage brings companionship to human people who need companionship. Now, let me just say to you, marriage is a gift. The Bible says, whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. The Bible says, a prudent wife is a gift from the Lord. But so is singleness. Singleness is, is a gift. Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you are single, he said, look, I'd like to encourage you, if you can live single, like he says he did and he was, he said, that's good. If you get married, you're still going to serve the Lord. If you're single, you're going to serve the Lord. But if you're married, you will have the responsibility to please a husband or a wife and children and extra responsibilities. And he says, if you cannot live single, it's better to marry than it is to burn. He gives us principles about that. 
But by the way, I just want to say this. I am just so thankful to be a part of this church. It's not the greatest church in the world. It's not the best church in the world. I think that's prideful for us to think that we're a great church. We are a, we are a church bought by the hand of God and by the mercies of God, and we are brothers and sisters. I will say I love this church, though. And this church, I don't love the buildings. I love you. <laughs> and a church is not a building. It's not a denomination. It is a called-out assembly of people. And uh, we come together, and I love being a part of this church family. I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for every single vibrant servant of Christ in our ministry. I'm thankful for all of you. But I'm especially thankful for single adults to serve the Lord, for senior adults to serve the Lord, for children who serve the Lord, for teenagers who serve the Lord, for young couples. I'm especially impressed with our young couples in our church. I love seeing them, and I, I know it's difficult. When you're a young couple raising children, the days are long, but the years are short. Uh, there's, a, there's a little parenthesis of time where it's more challenging to get back on a Sunday night, to get back on a Wednesday night, uh, to get the kids and, 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 and uh, get their homework done and get them into Wednesday night service and get them back to Transformer Kids Club and let them sing their songs, all those things. But I'm just telling you, friend, you'll be glad you did that. You take a hiatus on Sunday night, you're gonna, you're gonna, you fast forward, your grandkids are not going to be in church faithfully. Somewhere along the line, if you, if you just think only the church is the only thing that's going to teach our children, Daddy, sit down, read the Bible with the kids, talk about the kids. When you get in the car, talk to, talk to them about the Lord. Yesterday, before going to bed, I said, all right, kids, let's make sure we read the Scriptures. Did you read the scripture today? And one of them said, no, Dad, I, I did read it when I was at the, uh, at the soul winning train time, but I haven't read it yet, and I'll, I'll read it before I go to bed. You know why I told them that? Because I'm her dad. I have responsibilities. Then marriage is good because it's the arena in which we can enjoy physical pleasure. Lastly, it is the optimal environment in which to raise secure children. Well, fast forward, so much of our Bible focuses around, and actually when we get saved, God says we're in the household of faith. We're in the family of God. Everybody needs three families, need three homes. You need a, you need a, a, a heavenly home. Don't spend eternity in hell. Well, I think it'd be terrible to go to hell. It'd be really terrible to go to hell from First Baptist Church of Hammond, where you've heard the gospel. And you don't want to get it straightened out because you're afraid what someone's going to think about you. Never be afraid of what someone's going to think about you. Make sure you get that nailed down. If you're not saved, you and God know that. So well, my, my dad's a deacon, or my, my dad's a pastor, or he's an assistant pastor, or uh, everybody thinks I'm saved. Who cares? There's nothing in the world worth going to hell over. Okay, and don't let pride or procrastination keep you from trusting Jesus Christ and making your profession public. If you get saved, let people know about it. If anyone believeth on Jesus Christ, he should not be ashamed. And uh, don't go by a story. I talked to a man the other day. He said, well, when I was a kid, my parents told me I got saved when I was, when I was five. Well, that's wonderful. And I rejoice. And we have, we've had kids in our home get saved at that stage of life. And I rejoice. They said, I didn't remember it. I just, was, I just figured I was saved because my mom remembered. He said, man, God dealt with me when I was 13 and I got saved. Whatever, whatever age you are, and since you don't know when you're going to eternity, get saved today. If you ask God when to get saved, you'd say now is the accepted time. It's a good time to do it right now. Make sure you're saved. But everyone needs a heavenly home. Everybody needs a, a church home. 
God did not make you to live as a maverick. Some folks who used to sit in pews like this one, now they don't go to church, they don't give to the Lord, they don't care about the attendance of God's people. And I have to wonder in my mind, number one, are they saved? Something inside of me provokes me to get together with God's people. And I have the word of God that says, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is. But I tell you one thing, if you keep missing church, you won't miss church. You'll get, you'll, you'll get yourself out of that and say, Pastor, you just want people here? Look, I don't know how many people come to the church. I really don't care. I care that you're here. <laughs> I care that we can provoke each other to love and good works. Not trying to have the biggest church in the world. We're certainly trying to help one person at a time get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe God wants us to help us with that. He wants us to grow. God, he made things to grow, and we ought to grow as a church family. But that's not our, our goal. We're not counting heads. Uh, we're, we're looking to help people. But everybody needs a heavenly home. Everybody needs a church home. And then everybody needs a Christian home. One of those good homes in the Bible seems to be Joshua. Many of you may have this in your home. We have in our home. As for me and my house, we will... Serve the Lord. Joshua 24, verse number 15. He's 110 years old when he makes that statement. He has lived 40 years as a slave in Egypt, 40 years running around the wilderness helping and serving in his uh, local church called Israel, walking around the tabernacles and helping his pastor Moses, and 30 years in conquest and helping to conquer the land of Canaan and divide and help and assist God's people. The Bible says he's now old and stricken in years. That's why I had Brother Mike Rikus read the scripture today. <laughs> he was old and stricken in years, and he calls all the friends together, and he calls the leadership of the nation and the priest and, and the leaders, and he says, listen, guys, I'm getting ready to say sayonara. I'm getting ready to transition out of his 110-year-old body. But I got some things I want to tell you. And he can culminate it with that statement. As for me and my house, we're going to serve. you're going to make a choice. Everybody in here is making a choice. You're either going to serve the Lord or you're not. You're going to lead your family into closer to the Lord, or you're going to lead them farther away from the Lord, or you're going to lead them in a lukewarm state, which is a transition to a cold state. But everybody's making a decision. You're doing it for you, and I'm doing it for me. And I need to be on the pressing on the upward way. I don't want to get more calloused and more apathetic as time goes on. I feel like we're winding down in this situation. Everything's coming to God. It's playing right, the, the society is playing right into God's hand. The Bible reminded us in the, in the last times, the latter days, men will wax worse and worse, deceiving each other and being deceived themselves. We have the prince and power of the air. But the truth of the matter is, you can have a godly family. In the midst of a wicked world, we have many illustrations of that all through the scriptures. And we have illustrations of that right here. I remember years ago, people said, now, John, you got to get your kids out of the inner city. You can't raise godly kids in the inner city. You got to get them out into the suburbs, get them out into the country. The truth of the matter is, you can raise godly children in the country and in the city. But they need some leadership. Somebody needs to stand up and say, this is for me and my house. And then also, Mrs. Joshua, she's got to follow along too. She's got to say, I agree with you, honey. 
You lead, we'll follow. I'm thankful to be married with a precious girl who's done that very, very faithfully for 31 years. And it's a lot harder, in my opinion, to be a wife than it is to be a husband. A little more responsibility for the husband, but I think it's difficult to make those adjustments. But I'm thankful for someone who has helped me and not complicated my life, but complimented uh, the direction that God gave us to. Some of she didn't understand everything. I didn't understand everything. Did not exactly know what we're going to do and how we're going to give and what we're going to accomplish or what God was doing. And we'd lay in our bed at night and pillow talk and cry sometimes wondering why is things happening like they are and what's going to happen. But we always have a God who is stable and faithful. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does a family look like that serves the Lord? This morning, tonight, I want to give you just a few thoughts. I think a family that's on enjoying the journey, committed to the Lord, is going to have several things. And we see this, and I want to just re 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 rehearse what I talked about the other night and give you a couple more thoughts. Look, if you would please, at chapter 23 and verse number 3, and read it out loud with me again, would you please, everyone? And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is He... I want you to notice that I think a, a family that is committed to the Lord, that will enjoy the journey. By the way, you should enjoy the journey. Some of you are not enjoying the journey, and that's not God's fault. That's not because you're an independent fundamental Baptist, you can't enjoy the journey. I think you can enjoy it far. Well, it's just so hard. Let me tell you what's hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. You want to live like an idiot? You'll find hard. God's commandments and his ordinances are not grievous. Don't kid yourself. And the devil's trying to tell you it's just so hard. No, it's not. Boy, I've seen, I, I was looking at, a, at some of the Christmas pictures that were sent to me from all over the world. At Christmas time, people were taking pictures of their families, and we've taken some pictures and liked it. But, you know, some of the pictures that I see, some very, you know, and people say, well, you know, this person cheated on his wife. Well, I know. For whoever one time you can find, I can give you 10 people that stayed faithful to their wife their entire life. Well, everybody's doing it. No, everybody's not doing that. But I've seen some pictures of families, and I'm just telling you, I've seen a mom and dad who are faithfully loving the Lord. They're not, they're not fancy. They're not flashy, but they're just faithful. And I've seen them lead their kids, and I've seen them follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I've seen some other clowns that not so much. Everybody's doing their own thing. Mom and dad, they quit, they quit being faithful many years ago. They started watching and become critical. By the way, if you start becoming a spectator in the work of the Lord, you'll get critical. Soul winners, just stay in the trenches and not everything goes right. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be disappointed. I was talking to a man the other day and he's uh, in his late 80s. And he said, you know, I've been 60 years in the same church. Many times I got hurt in that church. Many times someone hurt my wife and they hurt me and some things said. And even in the last five years, something happened very hurtful to me. I started thinking to myself, you know, I didn't go to that church because everybody else was there. I went there 60 years ago because God put me there and he's never told me to leave. If I learn to die to myself and not go around with my feelings on my sleeve and just keep on going. One thing I like it last week. Four people got saved in my church. Two people got baptized. There's another family getting baptized this next week. I want to leave that. Where are you going to go, he said. So if I leave because I get hurt, where are we going to go? He said, I've been watching everybody leave, and I've seen where they're going. It doesn't look real good. 
They're not better Christians. They're not sweeter Christians. They're not more fervent. They're not more soul conscious. They're oftentimes going to loosey-goosey churches where you come as you are and leave as you came. You get a pat on your back and you got a little whistle on your, on your lips, but that's about it. Said, I, where am I going to go? By the way, it'd be a good idea. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you're easily offended, get over it. Go out to church to be a blessing. Don't go to church to be blessed. So many folks just, you know, I'm a, I hope I get something this morning. I watched the game last night, so I'm kind of tired. I hope I get something. It's always been about you, Spanky. People say, you know, I want to go to church where I can get fed. I just want to get fed. All they care about is their spiritual pie hole. They need to take off their bib and put, bib and put on their apron. You need to find something to do. When you find something to do, and you're doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ, you become very pleasant. Soul winners don't cause problems. And I'm not having any problems, personally, do I know about in our church. But I'm just very thankful that, I'm just very thankful that I want to challenge you. Here's a guy, he's 110 years old, says, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Why did he do that? Number one, he reflected and remembered the goodness of God. He remembered the blessings. He remembered the goodness of God taking him out of being a slave to wilderness wandering to the last 30 years of the blessing. By the way, you serve God in the early years of your life, you'll enjoy blessings in the latter years of your life. I'm not saying it'll be easy and perfect. It won't be. But one of the things that Christian families have that are committed, they look back and look over the blessings of God. God's good to you. God's been good to you. He's been good to your family. He tells them in this passage of Scripture, remember God's protection upon your family. I look over here and see Miss Fritz over here. Very difficult year. Went to her home when her good husband passed away and watched the men take his body from her house to the, 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 the mortuary. Very difficult time. But I look over here and see Miss Luckenbill. Brother Scott passed away 25 years ago. Went to college with him. That happened 25 years ago for, happened last year for her. Happened 25 years for her. Is it, is it still as painful? Yes. Miss Luckenbill raised two beautiful girls by herself. But I think there's nobody she could sit with and tell you how good God's been to her, how God's taking care of her. She put them both in Hammond Baptist, and she's loved them and cared for them. She could tell you how good God's been to her, how he's taking care of her. Hey, listen, Christian families, godly families, committed families, they look back and say, man, God has been good to me. He's protected me. He's given his victories. I remember sometimes thinking, I don't think I can make it through another day. I can't stand it. It's hurting so bad. You know what God did? He helped me through it. I wanted him to take me out of the problems. He took me through the problems. And he joined me in the problems. He'll do that for you. Hey, if you want to have a family that honors the Lord, you want to be able to say at 110 years old, hey, it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. There's a couple things you need to do. Number one, you need to rehearse in your mind the blessings of God. Remember the victories. Remember the protection. Remember the provision. How many of you found it out, boy, you didn't have, you didn't have two, two nickels run together and God helped you? You weren't sure how the rent was going to come and now you live in a home and you paid your house off or you're still making payments and where you live now is nowhere near where you used to live and God took care of you. You were just faithful to him and he provided for you week after week. Hey, look back and rehearse the blessings of God. Number two, 
I think Christians who enjoy the journey as committed families, number two, they remain clean for God. Would you look at verse number six, if you would, please? Be therefore courageous. You know what it takes to be clean? Courage. Somebody needs to step up and say, listen, as for me and my house, I am not going to let sin occupy and control me. He said, be courageous. You know, it takes courage to do what? To keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. And that you turn not aside, uh, aside therefrom to the right hand or left. Stay on the high road of holiness. Don't get in the ditch. He said, be courageous. Have enough courage to obey what the Bible tells you to do. Once again, can I just remind you, the Bible says God's commandments are not grievous. If you think that keeping God's way and loving God and being a good Christian is the hard way, you're drinking your bathwater. You've bought a lie. It's not true. God's way is the best way. As for God, his way is perfect. Do things God's way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. You can trust him. You think, ah, they want me to do this, and I'm going to do this, and boy, if I had all that money, I could be having this. No, that's just junk. That's dumb thinking. Giving, to the, giving your heart to the Lord and being courageous enough to do what the Bible tells you. Hey, listen, you want to have a home that honors the Lord? Then reflect back on the blessings of God upon your life, how he provided for you, how he protected you, how he gave you victories and help. Number two, determine I am going to remain clean. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live clean. I want the Lord to help me. Give your kids a godly mom. Quit trying to push the envelope, mama. Quit trying to live a holy life on a diet of what's going on in Facebook. Would to God that we don't get up at your funeral one day and talk about how much you knew about everybody on Facebook. How many posts you did. There's nothing wrong with Facebook, nothing wrong with some of those things, but I'll tell you, sometimes we do that at the expense of loving our husband and, and caring for our children. Let them know that your mama was a soul winner. Mama gave out gospel tracts. I saw mama kneeling and praying for us kids, doing things that are holy and clean, and you know what it takes to do that? It takes some courage to keep God's word and stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells in verse number seven to separate yourself from the nations that you'll live around. Don't get enamorated and enamored with the Canaan. Don't get caught up with the world's way of doing things. Be not conformed to this world, but be, renew, be, be transformed by the renewing of your... Think differently. Well, if I, if I uh, take some time to, to listen to the news, I get so discouraged and get angry. I'm just kind of tired of it. Going back to Psalm 37, where the Bible says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, but trust in the Lord and do good. Delight thyself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. He'll bring it to pass. Then it tells us there to rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. I don't want to be an angry dad. You don't want to be an angry dad. You don't want to be an angry husband. The Bible says, husbands, love your wife. Be not bitter against them or harsh with them. Sometimes men are harsh with their, with their spouse. I've been, I've been guilty of doing that with Linda. It's not where I want to live. 
I don't want to be known for being an angry dad, man, and I'm not sure whether you want to pucker to duck. Hug or hide. What kind of mood is dad in? What kind of mood is mom in? You know how mom is. It's not the way God wants us to live. He wants us to live clean and obviously separated. Verse number eight, read it, and we'll close with this thought today, and we'll continue our thoughts tonight. I'm looking forward to talking about that. If you can only come this morning or tonight, come tonight to the service. Verse number eight, read it out loud with me, would you please? But cleave unto the Lord. Not only remember God's blessings and remain clean for God, but run to God. Cleave to him. Sometimes when things go wrong, I was talking about, hey, you haven't been in church. Yeah, well, you don't know what happened. I thought God was going to do it. I asked him to do it. He didn't do it, so I'm going to stay away. What an idiot. Don't run away from God. Run to him. Cleave to him. Here's this old man who had done the right thing and enjoyed the blessings of God. He came out of slavery. He knew what it was like to be a slave. He knew what it was like to serve the Lord. He knew what it was like to conquer, to enjoy the milk and honey and the, the blessings and the vineyards he didn't plant and the wells he didn't dig and all the things that God had given him. He looks back on his life and he said, hey, thank God for the blessings. Hey, thank God I live clean and pure and separated from the world. I want to challenge you, cleave to the Lord. Run to God. Well, you don't want to be known for someone who knows something about everything, but nothing about God. I want to close with this verse. Take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn to Jeremiah chapter two, 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. I want everybody, every Bible, would you turn there? And if you have a pencil, I'd like to encourage you at least put a little dot or an asterisk out beside this verse. If you have a highlighter, highlight the verse. Jeremiah chapter 9, the Bible tells us something I think that's very helpful to all of us. Let's look at it real quickly. Jeremiah 9, verse number 23, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise men glory in his wisdom. Intellect, thank God for it, but don't glory in your intellect. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Those who are strong financially, you're strong physically, you're strong emotionally, don't, don't glory in your strength. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. You got a little bit more than everybody else does? Well, praise the Lord for that, but don't, don't find glory in that. Look at verse 24, read it with me, everybody. Would you, every man, every woman, every child, read it out loud, would you please, as we conclude this morning. But let him that glory, glorieth in this. I am the Lord that exercises loving kindness, judgment, for in these I delight, saith the Lord. That's a mouthful right there, but I'd like for you to take it home and meditate on that verse. If you're going to glory about anything, glory that you understand God. See, some people think they know God, but what they describe as a God is not the God. Someone said the most important thing about you and me is what comes to our mind when we think about God. Do you think he understands what you're going through? Is he in charge of the heaven and the earth? Did he make the heaven and the earth? Is your problem stressing him out? Is it over his head? No, he, he's got it. He's, he's good. We need to learn about a God. You know, one of the things I don't like about the 12-step program is that you can pick whatever God you want. There really needs to be a one-step program. Get to the right God. <laughs> then he can help you with the other things. Get to the right God. Understand him, who he is. People glory about what they have or what they have in riches or how smart they are 
or what their strengths are and what we ought, to, we ought to glory in is do we know the Lord? Would to God that everybody would have a family. And you could say to you about your teenage girl, that girl knows the Lord. You could say this about your teenage boy, that boy knows the Lord. My grandma, she knows the Lord. My, my mom, my dad, they know the Lord. When they have a prayer request, and they're not going to call and write to Dear Abby. They're not going to go to Dr. Phil. So get a hold of Mama. Get a hold of Daddy. They know the Lord. They can talk to Him. They can pray. May God help us to have strong, committed homes.